City. It's your man, Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets. And you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, three, two, one. Hello and welcome to the Hornets and Heartbreak podcast. My name is Mark Bernanke and I'm here with my co-host, Tim Rogers. What's up, Tim? What is Liquor March. I'm doing pretty well, man. The Hornets are on a two-game win streak. Only the second one we have had this entire season. Since acquiring five new players, since the trade deadline, the Hornets have been on fire. You know, we beat the Grizzlies in the first game after the trade deadline, it was kind of like, all right, this, this was fun, but like, yeah, you know, you kind of expect it like a little bit of buzz around the team, good vibes, new players. Everybody wants to prove that they're, you know, worth being on NBA team. You kind of expected a little, a, a win against the Grizzlies a little bit, but last night against the Pacers, Tim, I don't think many people saw that coming. The Pacers are a very, very good team. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton is an all-star starter. And we beat him, led by Grant Williams and Seth Curry, Tim. <laughs> yeah, we were led by these Charlotte natives. Uh, what were we, uh, nine and a half point underdogs? Which I don't keep up with regular season lines that much. I just work with gamblers, I promise. Um, but uh, yeah, man, that was great. And, um, you know, I've been a big Halliburton, or Halliburton supporter, but uh, didn't look like an all-star last night, Jim. No, no, he definitely did not. Yeah, we we kind of shut him down a little bit. Um, we had him making some making some questionable plays. He looked like he lost his confidence a little bit. And Tim, I mean, the text back and forth between us last night, I don't want to release those to anybody. It was embarrassing. I sent like a crying emoji at some point, just like how happy I was with the Hornets actually having a watchable product. You were like, like, just think about how bad the first 50 games of the season were. Like now that we actually have players who can shoot and pass the team is so much more fun to watch and we're not saying this team is like you know better than average or anything crazy like that but we're just saying it's a lot more fun and it's nice to win a couple games i will say we are the best 12 and 42 or 41 win team of all time having to crunch those numbers but fairly confident like let's not be delusional we're not going to like make a run to the play-in and then have a Cinderella story. But man, we have an actual basketball team for the first time in two years. Yeah, I completely agree. Okay. Quick question. Does the winning bother you at all with the whole, you know, lottery thing? No, dude, it's, I was thinking about that. It's kind of a weird thing where like, we kind of took our whips up front and just got decimated. And now we're so bad that even if we win at like, an above 500 clip, like we're getting a top six pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, the race for the bottom is close uh, between us, like the Pistons, the Spurs, uh, the Wizards. It is close, and, like, if we lost the rest of our games, we could we could secure the, the best odds for the number one pick. But, 
Um, this year's draft is pretty mediocre, and there's not like a clear cut number one at all. Like if you check different different boards, you'll see somebody different um, everywhere you look. So I'm not super concerned about it. I am happy that there's just like a little semblance of culture um, developing. And, you know, again, not getting carried away, but but God, have these past two games been so much fun to watch. Um, this, and, might be, yeah. this might be too much of a galaxy brain take here, but, um, you know, because like normally with drafts, even if it's a bad draft, like there's always a consensus, like top two, top three that, you know, no one really deviates from. Like if we're going to do this and like, I kind of want to see what the new GM has in mind. Like if we have the sixth pick, those are kind of like those random picks. Again, like it's not as good as a top three pick, obviously, but you get an idea of like what your GM like is looking for more in those picks, you know, like instead of like, okay, we have to draft Jabari Parker or we have to draft uh, Jabari Smith junior third. But it's like, yeah, when you're at the sixth pick, you kind of get a roll of the dice and uh, it'd be good. Just like an inside look at like what our new GM will be. But that's further down the line. The future is now and we're winning now. Let's focus on that. Okay, cool. So the, the general ball movement, Tim, of this team has been so much fun to watch. Like, I forgot that you could pass the ball more than twice in a possession. I'm stealing that from you, but that is completely – it's been the case for the past, like, 40 games that it's just been isolation after isolation for Brandon Miller, Miles Bridges, LaMelo, whatever, Terry Rozier. And now uh, the team's actually passing. We have had – like one of the lowest assists per game in the league. I think we're like 25th. And then the game against the Grizzlies, we had 33 assists. The game against the Pacers, we had 27. Um, so we are quickly, quickly improving that. I think that's like sort of the overall takeaway is that in the hot shooting. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's nice to beat the Grizzlies, you know, don't want to have to shoot, you know, 16 of 32 from three or whatever it was, but yeah, man, like it is pretty nice when it's like, okay, there's a pick and roll roll man gets the ball. It's like, Oh, he's not just going to like throw up something off the glass. a la Cody Zeller or the Nick Richards special. It's like, yeah, but it actually is moving around and you can see uh, Miller having a little adjustment to it where he's like, ah, I thought I was just going to cook on this play, but uh, no, nah, man, it makes a very watchable product. And, you know, we pretty much swapped out, four players that are not NBA players for even like bench players. We pretty much took like, you know, the Mavs bench and the Thunder bench. And now we have this, we have a team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and we, I mean, it is worth a shout out one more time. The The fact that we, the thing that's making this so, so much more watchable and the team so much better is the fact that we had those, that conglomerate of players that just were not very good. Ish Smith, uh, Frank Nisilakina, JT Thor, um, oh, Bryce McGowan. Dude, you're forgetting your boy. Who's my boy? Who am I forgetting? James James Cook tonight, dude. He didn't even play, so he's not even on on the list. On the list, Does, James he, Cook, is he man. worthy of um a old throwback from the old podcast feed? Pour one out. Yes, yes, he is. Yes, he is. We're getting to that. I got that. I got that in the. Uh, in the in the show notes, pour one out for James Booknight, Ish Smith, and Frank Nitilakina. Uh, three players waived by the Hornets immediately after the trade deadline. Um, and I would like to note one more time that the 2021 NBA draft was a disaster. Kai Jones, James Booknight, JT Thor. JT Thor is somehow the only remaining player on the team, and I don't expect that to last for very long. <laughs> That's a very kind way to put it, Mark. 
Okay. Okay. Let's focus on the present, though. Let's focus on the present. All right. We got five new players, Tim. Let's break them down. We're going to go in order of plus minus through the first two games that these players have played. Um, and first up on the list, I was going to have Tim guess them, but he already guessed like before the podcast who the first one was. Grant Williams, uh, he is averaging 18 points, six rebounds, two assists on 47% shooting, 42% from three. And I hate to say it, Tim, he might not be good at chess, but he has been good at basketball through two games <laughs> for the Charlotte Hornets. <laughs> yeah, it is one of those things through gritted teeth we've been texting like, God damn it, I guess Grant Williams is actually kind of good. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's tough to separate not only the chest lies and the blasphemy and that, but really just I have just distrust for anyone that plays in Boston's, you know, like Boston sports team just because the media is so overrepresented or overrepresented. Um god damn, I can't speak. Um but um yeah, yeah, God. It's like I couldn't say Pythagorean last week. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just small strokes. But uh, yeah, it's like I watch Grant Williams and I'm like, wow, he is a winning player. Yeah, he only had five rebounds, but man, he really fought for them. Look at those box outs. And I know I'm going to get tired of it. Like he had that one like pull up baseline jumper last night, like fadeaway, where I was like, I don't really love that shot. It did bounce in. But for the time being, these two games, I'm just like, wow, he could he could be in a playoff rotation for the next Hornets team. Um, Yeah, he definitely could be. He was in he was in the Celtics playoff rotation. Um, and I think he just plays with like a lot of effort. Um, I know that's a cliche, but he does play with a lot of effort. He's trying to guard Miles Turner. He's trying to guard all of the biggest players on the Pacers. And he does do like an adequate job. Uh, I'm not going to lie. When he checked in instead of Nick Richards, I was extremely happy. Nick Richards last night had a great, great box score, like six of six, nine rebounds, but he was terrible. I don't know offense, just turning the ball over and not able to catch passes. Meanwhile, when Grant Williams goes in, it's like, huh, you know, well, we didn't lose much on defense and he's way better, way better on offense. <laughs> he absolutely is just being able to space the floor money from the corner. Uh, Nick Richards, honestly, <laughs> might've been his worst half um, of the last two years since he actually started getting rotation minutes, just brutally bad. Um I don't know about you with Grant Grant Williams. I have no idea how tall he is. It feels like it changes like play to play. It's almost like watching like an Al Pacino movie, Short King. But like there are certain times like they'll just have Al Pacino randomly like on an elevated plane. And it's like, oh, he's like six foot. And then other times like, oh, he's shorter than Diane Keaton. It's like sometimes Grant Williams looks like he's like six, eight. And then sometimes I'm like, is he six, three? Yeah. So really yeah, he's listed six, six. He's, he's definitely sh like very short to play center. Um, and I mean, I don't think this is like a sustainable option long-term for him to play much center for us, but uh, he's getting it done. He's getting it done. And he, I mean, he has the biggest plus minus in the past two games of any of these new players. He has his third most points in this season last night against the Pacers. It's worth noting, Tim, that he did this for the Mavericks at the start of the season. He was like really, really good for the first 10 games or first seven games or something. And then he just fell off a cliff and stopped playing well. And like semi fell out of their rotation. Like just not getting as much minutes. And he has a tendency to start to rub locker rooms the wrong way after a period of time. So proceed with caution in falling in love with Grant Williams. That's, that's what I'm going to say. I'm, I'm definitely there. Yeah. We're, 
was already hesitant at the beginning. I will enjoy the good times. But um, I do have to say, it's like, it's such a cliche, but like people talk about like, oh, it's good to get playoff reps as a young guy, like play on a winning team, play the right way. And it's like, like, you know, he might only be an eighth man, but I'm like, okay, he does play the right way. In the same way that like, yeah, Cody Martin now this season, not the best example, but like Cody Martin two years ago, it's like, okay, like even if you don't like his play style, objectively is clearly a plus for the team. Even if he's annoying 25% of the time, uh yeah so we have that we have a little you know stoutness got some corner shooting and i gotta say all you know good for pj washington gave us a lot of all right years <laughs> um i was gonna say good years but i was like i don't want to give him too much claim <laughs> um but yeah man it's just kind of cool to see someone that clearly actually cares and like you mentioned like yeah efforts and like it is annoying and like obviously playing pickup is not like the nba uh those players are much better but there are those guys you play pickup against where you're like, dude, why are you such a fucking tryhard? Like, are you really like going to like press me, you know, at the half court line? But, you know, those guys end up with like, you know, six points, five rebounds and like they move the ball. And it's like you hate playing against them, but you're always like, ah, damn. Yeah, he was kind of better than me that game. And that's Grant Williams. Yeah, I agree. I also think he's a higher basketball IQ player. Uh, than PJ Washington in terms of raw talent, PJ Washington is better, um, and he's better defense, et cetera, et cetera. But in terms of effort and like basketball IQ, I think Grant has got him beat. And Grant, Grant just doesn't look like he'd be good at basketball, right? So he has that. Kind uh, of yeah, he has the face of someone that works in IT. Yeah, yeah, that's a very, very good, very good comparison. He doesn't have like particularly. He's not particularly built. Like you know, if you saw him walking around, if he wasn't six six, you wouldn't think like. Oh, he definitely hoops. Um, if he was 5'8", I'd be like, damn, this guy's probably really good at chess. Definitely better than Mark. <laughs> well, you know what the big thing is, is that the locker room problems aren't going to be the case here. In Dallas, he he had uh, conflicts with Luca over who's the best chess player on the team. Um, and now Gordon Hayward is not on the team anymore. So he's going to be, you know, he can claim the best chess player on the team, at least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> let's move on next next player on the list tim who do you think is the second highest in plus minus through the first two games um if i had to guess i would say it is your boy vasi micic yeah vasilier micic uh career high in assists and points in his debut when he had 18 and 9 was not as crazy impre uh, impressive last night he only had four assists and two points. Um, I would say he he could have gotten a few more assists if people hadn't been missing like easy looks. I have been pretty blown away with his passing ability, Tim. Everything else I'm completely unsure of. Can he play defense? Probably not. Can he score at the rim? Doesn't seem like it. Can he shoot threes? Not sure. But his passing ability is really, really cool. Um, you know, in that first game, you can go watch the highlights. He had several plays that were kind of jaw-dropping. And he has the ability that is pretty rare of just like waiting until the last possible second, drawing the defense in as much as possible and then kicking it out to an open shooter. Um, yeah, frankly, I think he's an NBA player. I think he's a very, very good backup point guard. Um, and I'm happy that the Hornets have him. I, I've liked him more than Trey Mann through, through two games. <laughs> you definitely have you. That's um. this is your own personal Lynn Sanity run. Yes. Where I got more texts from you about him than anything else this season. 
Um, it's like, man, <laughs> like you might be set. Um, but now, Ben, he is like as you said, a professional basketball player. He even led Miles Bridges to Miles' like first real like electric poster of the season mm-hmm. last night on a beautiful uh, slip pass. Um, he has that going on, and yeah, like his rim finishing. Yeah, like we'll see. It definitely doesn't look super sustainable when you see it, but on the season. He is leading all bench players in net rating. He has that, and just he's a steadying force. And, you know, I'll double down on the Jeremy Lin comparisons. He's the best backup point guard we've had since Jeremy Lin. Damn. Wait, he's leading all bench players in net rating? Um, That is according to StatMuse, yes. Whoa. Okay. Yeah, so but those are also very limited minutes in garbage time with the Thunder. Like, we should preface that. Yeah, but it counts. It does. It, counts it does count. Us. It does count. It's not like it's not like it's an incredibly small sample size. Like I mean, he was playing like you know twelve minutes a game in like thirty games with Oklahoma City. It's not like he didn't play at all. Um, yeah, that's crazy. And yeah, I'll, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'll, I'll sound repetitive. His pat his passing ability is is super high level. Like like he's a an elite passer in my opinion and everything else I think he's not very good at and maybe he, like maybe he can shoot what well, it's kind of the verdicts out on that the rim finishing is worse than you just described it like he missed several easy layups in the first two games um and he seems like terrified of going up in in the paint and then oftentimes that leads to like an open shooter kick out to an open shooter for three but then sometimes it's like oh, he could have just made a layup and when he tries to make a layup he misses he, he had that layup last night in, like, pseudo-crunch time where it's, like, it was just so discombobulated. I think it was a travel. I'm yes. not quite sure. The no, Pacers bench was bad, but it's, like, that was one of those things that the refs were just, like, ah, fuck it, man. He just, he's just unathletic. Like, maybe <laughs> he just stumbled a little bit. So, it's, like, yeah, I get a little benefit from that. Um, but not that he just, it's enjoyable. I mean, I just, again, like, this is, you know, not beating a dead horse, but, like, are you Ish Smith? Are you Frankie Smokes? Oh, you're not? Oh, man, you're a great basketball player. And yeah. I do think, though, you know, so he's 30 now, so we'll have him for the 31, 32 age seasons if we want to believe team option on the third year. Um, yeah, man, this is just like a, this is like a good piece of business. Mm-hmm. Like, sounds kind of lame to say, but, I mean, that's just kind of what it is. I mean, assuming that LaMelo is going to miss, you know, 20 games a season, which I think is fair. I mean, most NBA players do. 82 games is rough. Um, and, yeah, just, like, having someone back there that can actually run an offense, pretty exciting. And, yeah, he's not going to be a good finisher. His defense will be all right, but our offense is not going to fall apart. It's not going to be Cody Martin running point guard. No, yeah, I think that's what he brings to the table is that uh, he can just run a very effective offense. Um, and we have we have seen that, like, uh, I mean, I'm not going to put this all on him, but but other players have been passing more. It's like, oh, I'm playing with Michich, who passes a lot. And then Miles is like, okay, I don't have to take this shot. I can pass it. Um, he does seem to be sort of having that impact. He had some quote in an article, like, I think basketball is beautiful when people are passing the ball. Um, he clearly prescribes to that. He passes too much, if anything. Um, and it's fun. It's fun to watch a player play like that. Like it's just unique. Um, and yeah, I joked on the first podcast that when we signed him, who's a better passer, Lamelo or him? It's Lamelo, but but Meech is an elite passer, bro. All right, reel it in here, Mark. Reel it in. Well, but 
but why else is he in the NBA? I mean, I'm not kidding. Like it just, he has one skill. No, he is. A, he's a very good passer. Yeah, yeah he is. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's above average. It's also been fun to, um, to watch some of the Thunder guys, like, you know, him and Trey Mann, uh, they're throwing up some, some lobs for Nick Richards. And it's like, okay, you guys will adjust in like five games and figure it out, which is fair. But like, they're throwing it up and Nick Richards kind of looking like, yeah, you clearly did not watch the game tape. It's like, I'm not a vertical spacer like that. But um, now they're, they're, they're getting good reads. And God, if Nick Richards could actually just catch a ball, yeah. he could, um, he could go eight of eight in yeah. a game. I, I'm going to stand by that elite passer, elite passer claim. Uh, we'll see if it actually proves to be true. I just think, I think he's like pretty bad at everything. Yeah, else. I, I think, I think you're right. Yeah. He is an elite passer, just not an elite athlete to the point to capitalize on where some of the passes could go Yeah, between height and athleticism. But yes, as far as like, I'm very confident in him. Anytime he runs a pick and roll, I'm like, okay, we will get somewhere that's like an, at least an adequate shot. Yeah. And obviously two game sample size, but I like him. Okay. <laughs> no, no, we're, we threw we threw out sample size in the first week of the season, man. We just ride with the good vibes. Okay. All right. I love it. I love it. I'm buying his jersey. Okay. Who do you think is next in uh plus minus through the first two games between the new players? Um Trey Man. It's Seth Curry. Seth Curry. Ah. Yeah, he uh plus four and plus fifteen. And yeah, last night the, the first game for him was was pretty forgettable. And like he didn't look super good. Uh, last night he kind of took over the game in that third quarter. He was seven uh, for eleven. He had eighteen points, the second most points he's had this season. He had nineteen earlier this season in a game with the Mavs. Um, and you you mentioned it before the podcast. There was a moment where Del Curry was just getting getting choked up watching his son play. It was pretty beautiful. I texted you. Um, he felt like Steph Curry for for about two minutes. <laughs> He had a couple of wild layups, like, like obviously is not his brother, but for two minutes, I was like, okay, this kind of feels like him breaking down playoff defenses. Um, and yeah, just not being afraid to shoot. I mean, also, I mean, if you look at some of those early box scores from the first like month of the season, like, dude, how did we got up 16 threes in a game? Like, that's it. That's for a quarter. Like, man, how are we doing this? And now it's like, just having his spacing, his shot creation, like this is kind of the perfect team for him where uh, I like what Clifford's been doing for rotations where like just kind of cycling out um, Michich, Curry, man, like we always have someone, I guess they're like, they're fresh to us. So it's a little more exciting, but I'm um, just competent ball handling at all times. And yeah, man, Curry, he's not afraid to just pop off a three. And like, I always think they're going in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, He's he's hit them at a relatively efficient club. Uh yeah, I mean more impressive than his like three point shooting even was his like getting to the rim. Um and just just getting buckets. Uh he was he was awesome last night. I think uh it's safe to say without Seth Curry, we would not have won last night. Like he did just completely hundred oh, percent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he completely took over the game for for a brief period of time. Like I don't I don't remember how many points he had exactly. Um, but he he was awesome. And like there was one moment where he just had Brandon Miller wide open at the top of the key. And instead, he broke his defender down off the dribble and hit a mid-range shot. And I was like, all right. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> yeah, it was a, like a 20-footer, objectively not a good shot, but I was like, oh, he's cooking. <laughs> Let him do it. Like, it was fine. But yeah, like, those acrobatic layups he had last night, I was like, I don't expect this all the time. 
But oh my God, is this better than Ishmith getting to the paint, then having to Steve Nash's way around the basket to pull up for like an air ball 12 footer. I was like, oh my God, man, we, we are home. We are home. Like it is good. I mean, dude, he had 18 points in 19 minutes. Um, Pretty, pretty incredible performance for somebody coming off the bench. And like, I don't expect that to happen all the time, but the fact that it can happen uh, is something you could not say about any of the other guards on the roster before, before this trade. I will say like with that, that bench lineup. Yeah. With like, Curry, Williams, Mijic, Bertans. Um, that's kind of how I build like my 2K teams where I'm like, okay, I just want a three-point shooters on the floor. It's like, you know, 85 and above, good to go. And I was just watching. I was like, oh, man. I felt like I was almost like watching myself play 2K. I was like, oh, man, sweet. You guys are just going to shoot threes, like two-thirds of the possessions? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, I loved it. And uh, we should say, you know, I mentioned he probably won't be with the team next year. I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate it. Just like he's from Charlotte. Let's let him play play for another year. Um, I don't I don't see what the Hornets are going to do with the bench guards anyways. Like, why not just let him let him be on the team for another year? Um, and you don't think we're going to re-sign book night? Uh, well, he's he's not on the team anymore, Tim. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. You don't think we're going to bring him back? A little redemption project? I I don't I don't believe so. I don't I don't think so. Um all right, that that's honestly all I have on Seth. Next up on the plus minus list, who do you think's next? Well now I'm gonna guess Trey Man again. Yeah, it is it is Trey Man. Yeah, he has been pretty good, pretty good through two games, um, averaging ten points and eight assists. Like I just hyped up Mitch's passing ability, but uh Trey Mann also has a lot of assists in the past two games. Somehow, like, not as nearly as noticeable. I guess just not no, as No, I mean, all, all assists are not created equally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he's been, like, kind of inefficient, but re- relatively efficient. Uh, he shot 4 of 11 through the first game, 5 of 11 in the second game. Um, had four turnovers last night. And he is exciting. Like, he is now, I mean, I guess Brandon Miller is a guard, but. He's kind of like the most exciting like project guard on the team. Uh, yeah, I would say 100%. Uh, he kind of only has like one move at the moment where he's like really likes to try to catch people on like the step back. Like, you know, it's like drop back and then he kind of hesitates from there. But he does create space with it. I think the shooting is legit. He did have that rough air ball last night where kind of alligator armed it. But um. I just think that, yeah, it's like, okay, if Trey Mann is like your ninth man, 10th man next year, our salary cap, pretty good spot. What do you think about him playing the amount of minutes that he's playing? So this is something I thought about is that I'm not like incredibly excited about Trey Mann, but I think it might not be his fault. I think it's the fact that he's playing 30 minutes a game. Yeah, I mean, I think like realistically with a healthy team, Trey Mann's probably around like 16 minutes a game. Yeah, yeah, okay. Cool. Yeah, if it's if it's down near like twenty or sixteen, he's like a much more enticing player at the moment. He should not be playing that many minutes, but we don't have anybody else, so that's what's happening. Um, and he's shown some some definite flashes through two games. Um, I would say it's safe to say Mitchich just had a bigger impression on me through two games because I didn't expect him to be so good. Uh, but Trey Mann has been as promised. Yeah, yeah, I think you know pretty much just. 
we're trading away Gordon Hayward, getting, you know, semi-scraps. Uh, yeah, Trey Mann's intriguing and definitely worth the watch. Um, I don't ever think that it's going to be like, wow. I mean, do, do you think we have to start Trey Mann? Like, I don't think that conversation's ever going to happen. But just like a competent, yeah, third or fourth guard off the bench, good piece of business. Nice. Nice. Yeah, and he's super young. Um, he has baby face too. He looks even younger than he is. He, man, jarring baby face. Yeah, yeah. He's twenty three, and he looks like nineteen for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Solid, solid piece of business signing signing Trey. Um, last player on the list, Davis Bertans. Um, <laughs> I am uh gonna say that he's not gonna be on the team next year. Um, he <laughs> shot eleven shots, and all of them have been three pointers. Uh, last night was one for six and it's like, okay, this is why people don't like him. <laughs> you know, I'm going to zag on this. That's why I do like it, man. I mean, what a bold guy we talked about, you know, the new guys really bring in energy and, you know, pinging the ball around Bertans is like, Oh dude, fucking sweet. You pass me the ball 30 feet away. I'm chucking this shit. I'm looking off miles bridges. I'm looking off Brandon Miller. I'm popping it. Had an air ball last night, and I was like, ooh, you know, because nothing worse than shooting an air ball. I couldn't imagine doing it in front of, you know, 15,000 people. And then two possessions next, or two possessions down the road, he was like, I'm fucking popping another leaning three. I don't think he'll be efficient or effective, but I like it. <laughs> yeah, when he hit that first three last night, I texted you like, hey, Berton's is not bad, because he went three for five in the first game. He was a little... A uh, little effective in, in that first game against Memphis. And he is like long. So it's like, okay, like at least he's long and he can shoot. I see, I see the vision. But if he's long Kyle Corver that shoots 30% on threes, that's not an NBA player. <laughs> <laughs> no, most likely not. I would say the. Um, so he's got what? Yeah, 5.25 million guaranteed for next year. Uh, 16 fully, uh, you know, if we pick up the salary, uh, don't cut them by, I believe, July 1st or June 30th. Um, but, man, I don't know, like, if we want to make another trade next year that is, like, good matching salary, since we don't really have that on the team at the moment, you know, with PJ, Terry, and Gordy going out, um, not a lot of, like, you know, those guys. So if we do want to absorb a worse contract, depending on how next team next season goes – but um, no, man, I like it. I mean, I just I think he's as advertised. It's like okay, he had one really good year in 2020 and was solid with the Spurs prior to that. And other than that, been pretty a been a pretty destructive NBA player. But um, yeah, man, what we have going on, we got what uh, or 28 games left in the season, 29. Mm. Let Bertans get six threes a game, man. Fucking who cares? <laughs> yeah. Uh. I think I'd like to see his minutes go to uh, Nick Smith Jr. But yeah, I mean, I, correct me if I'm wrong. His his salary could be an asset to acquire a better player on a higher contract that a team is looking to unload. Like for example, the Knicks want to sign I don't, I don't, LeBron James or whatever. They could try to unload Julius Randle, and like Bertans could be a pretty big deal in that in that package. Yeah, yeah. So that's why you would keep the full salary, you know, like yeah. the full 16 instead of the 5.25. Um, especially, yeah, they're with the new CBA kicking in. Uh, luxury tax gets far more punitive 
for um, second apron teams. And it's like, okay, so like, you know, we could absorb a bad contract, but either way, it's like, I'm just enjoying, I'm enjoying our time together, you know, like the last day of a vacation. Give it, give it 10 like, more right, days, man. bro. Give it 10 more days. The honeymoon, honeymoon phase oh. will end <laughs> one I day. Mean, he's, he's going to be a 35, 36% three-point shooter that is terrible in every other aspect. I mean, the honeymoon is not going off strong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, if you didn't understand anything Tim said about the salary cap, email us at hornsandheartbreak at gmail.com and Tim will answer you. Because uh, I, I, I got lost a little bit when we started talking about aprons. Um, all right. <laughs> next up, next up on the uh on the list, cup check. Uh, Tim went out with this resounding successful move in the middle of a two game win streak, the tied for the longest win streak of the season. Uh, Kupchak, it was announced that Kupchak is moving to an advisory role um, with the team. Not surprising. Um, I guess you could say it's a little surprising that he'll still still be with the team. Um, I like it. I like it. I think it, it's good that they're announcing it now and not like, making him try to scout future uh, draft picks for this, this next off season, give that role to somebody else who's actually making the decision um, or just at least move that responsibility off of him. And what a, what a like curtain call for him, man. Um, Yeah, I would say this is a very nice way to go out. And there were a kind of word, man, we mentioned it last week's episodes um, or two weeks ago, but like, Ah, I think it's kind of weird that it's like an open secret that we're going to like get rid of Mitch Kupchak, but let him handle the trade deadline. But it's like, okay, he clearly just followed orders, did it. And uh, yeah, man, good for him. Yeah, I think there's a beautiful swan song for Mitch Kupchak. Um, clearly, he knew he was on the outs and vice versa. Um, followed the owner's orders and made the moves that MJ would never have made. And yeah, I think it's, it's pretty good. I mean, he's an advisor, which I don't really know what that means. I doubt that they're going to be calling him up and being like, who should we take in the second round? Um, but no, nah, man, it's, it's enjoyable. And all in all, Mitch Kupchak's tenure, yeah, I'd say it was pretty solid C, but compared to Rich Cho's like F minus, he at least put us in a good direction. Didn't help us out all that much, but could have been worse it could have been worse it could have been worse i won't i won't think of mitch kupchak only with negative memories whereas with rich Cho, that's that's what i think of um he did he did nail two draft picks uh you know the brandon miller one was like super contentious like people did not think that was a good move including us um and he's doing this trade which i mean not only did our team get substantially better immediately but we also have three draft picks out of it. Um, yeah, I I can't. I mean, I can't say I dislike the trade. Is Grant yeah, Williams I mean, better like, than PJ Washington? Yes. Yeah, with with the first and Seth Curry, and like really outside of the twenty twenty one draft you mentioned. I mean, that is going to be on like his eulogy of you know Hornets retirement. It's like yeah, did a lot of good things. Totally fucked up that draft. But I don't think that's really like a totally fair representation because he did bring in both Martin twins. He did nail Devontae Graham in the second round. Miles Bridges was, you know, I mean, obviously he was in a trade with Shea, who's known at the time, but like Miles Bridges for the 12th pick, really good. PJ Washington for the 13th pick, really good. Like 
he he nailed a lot of things like you know like big draft picks and then kind of missed on the margins as far as you know trade deadline moves maybe upgrading the backcourt um but overall yeah it's like i i don't i will never tell my hypothetical grandkids about mitch kupchak but yeah he was fine i'm gonna upgrade him to a c plus or b minus I'm going to go ahead and do that. Uh, 2021 draft, inexcusable. But outside outside of that, uh, Gordon Hayward contract, inexcusable. Not making trades. or not All right, so now, that, that's, now you're making me want to bring it to like a D plus. <laughs> okay. okay, okay. <laughs> All right, well, let's, let's end this on a good note. Uh, Tim, I got I got a question for you. Which player that we have recently acquired is most likely to like completely fall off from their current production? Um, so I'm assuming like we're, we're talking like, you know, next year after the trade deadline, we'll kind of look back and, oh man, can you believe we thought that? Yeah. Um, I would say either Grant Williams or Mijic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think Grant Williams is the easy answer because he's averaging 18 points per game at the moment. Um, and I don't expect that to continue or his like efficient shooting, good defense, super high plus minus. Um, just cause, just cause he's been the best. You could, you could say Michich for sure. Uh, you could also say Seth Curry. You could also say he's just going to go back to putting up less than 10 points a game. Um, in like every game. Now I don't mean less than 10 points per game. I mean like the 18 point outburst might, might literally <laughs> never happen again. Um, but, but cool. Okay. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what these new players have done to the other players on the team. For one, everybody's passing more. Uh, already mentioned that it's been it's been fun to watch. There was that play where Miles threw that pass in between two defenders, in between uh, I think it was Miles Turner and somebody else, um, straight to Cody Martin for an easy dunk. The ball movement just super fun. But Tim Brandon Miller, our guy, getting some decreased production, decreased shot attempts in these last few games. Yeah, he's the one guy where him and Miles like got to take one for the team. But overall, I do think it's good because um, you don't want Brandon Miller to get in the mindset of like, okay, for the last 30 games, I just kind of get to fuck around, like almost play like substitute teacher ball and just, you know, run 40 pick and rolls a game. Good for his development, of course, but never know what the bad habits. And I just feel like it does remind me of like the first couple games of the season where he's like an established role as opposed to just like the offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that it's, you know, take take a short-term hit for a long-term gain. Yeah, and maybe make him earn the shots. Like that there's that perspective too. Like prove that you're better than uh, you know, all the all this ball movement and like open threes, right? Like prove that you can do it uh by yourself a little bit more rather than just being given the opportunity to shoot 20 shots a game. Yeah, I think that's certainly fair. And I I like what he's done really like the last month where he's really stretched um, his three-point range. Where mm. like last night he kind of – he popped like a 27-28 footer. It, it rimmed out. And then he got the – or someone passing the offensive rebound. And he immediately just fucking put up like another 28-footer next possession. I was like, okay, I like that. I'd rather, you know, like don't do the Kemba toes on the line do that like a little confidence but it wasn't like he was hogging the ball like carmelo anthony style just like ball stopping he still is like he's working on his decision making 
But uh, yeah, no, I think it's a a worthwhile sacrifice to just be in an actual basketball team, not an AAU team. Yeah, and I'm looking at the numbers in the uh, eight games prior to the last two. He shot 17 or more shots in every game. And then the last two, he shot nine and eight. So significant decrease in opportunity. Um, I also think that like the new players are just giving being more given more run because they're new and like you want to get them to fit with a new team. It's working. Uh, but at some point it'll like meet in the middle a little bit. Brandon Miller will be back to getting like 14 shots a game. Um, yeah. Yeah. We'll find, we'll find an equilibrium and like a well-earned 14 shots a game. And yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely work it out, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I like what I see. And also some foul trouble is, uh, mentioned earlier. It's like, yeah, got into it, but, uh, yeah, I mean, everything that I've seen from him, I like, and it's probably good for a guy, you know, people hit the rookie wall. I mean, it wasn't realistic that Miller was going to play like 38 minutes a game and get up 20 shots yeah. for the next, you know, 30 games. Well, it was realistic until we made these trades because <laughs> that was all we had. The uh, good old days, man. Nick Smith Jr., uh, I got to point it out, feels like he should play like a little bit. I don't really know why he just completely had his minutes taken away. Um, he's not great, but he's good enough to play a little bit still. He is shooting 36% from two. Okay, but that three-point percentage, bro. You ever heard of effective field goal percentage? Oh, no. What is effective field goal percentage, Mark? <laughs> effective field goal percentage is defined as uh, – no, I'm just no, I'm just playing. It factors in three-point shooting uh, into the field goal percentage. And, uh, yeah, he's lights out from three. I, I know. I know he's terrible at twos, but uh, he is, like, a decent rookie. Like, not, not the – I don't, I don't know. He's, I, well, I, I don't want to downplay it. He's shooting 45% from three on like 115 attempts. <laughs> it is like, that is a genuine skill. Yeah. Like that is like, keep you in the league for 10 years. Like, okay. Even if you like, you're Anthony Morrow, at least. Can we see Trey Mann's minutes go down by five and give Nick Smith Absolutely. five, five consecutive minutes. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. Uh, he wasn't he wasn't on the level of Ish Smith bad. Like he doesn't need to just ride the bench. No, I think he's definitely gonna come out like I would say post All-Star break, like two weeks after All-Star Break, like early March. I think that Nick Smith Jr. will be back. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, all right. Liquor marks degenerate gambling corner. So this is an old segment. It's somewhat retired because we haven't had much to gamble on, but Tim. Uh, I won some money on the Chiefs. It was the Super Bowl. I was like, okay, I'm, I don't really care who wins this game. I'm going to bet on it. So I made a deposit. Uh, got <laughs> won, won some money on the Chiefs. And I was like, okay, so I have this money in Bavada. It's not really enough to like withdraw, but I guess I'm just going to like make some more bets on NBA games. And uh, my second bet was betting $20 on the Hornets to win uh, at plus 310, 315 or something like that. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to throw this in a parlay too. Hornets and 76ers, $20. And uh, the odds on that were plus 1,800. That's 18 to 1, Tim. It hit. And uh, yeah, now it's enough money to withdraw. Uh, that was a, that was 20 to win 360. So uh, come at me. I'm 3-0 in 2024. All right. And uh, if you really have the cojones factors, um, I would say put all that money on the Pistons. Tonight versus the Lakers. I got him in a parlay with uh, some hockey games. I'll stay tuned. Jesus Christ. All right. <laughs> stay tuned for our closing segment where we have an intervention for Mark. Let me call some friends. 
when I told Tim I made that parlay yesterday, he sent me, he sent me the gambling hotline. And, and I mean, I don't know. I just thought like both odds were were a little too high. The 76ers were like almost four to one underdogs. And I was like, okay, they're not that bad without without Embiid. I thought they were both good odds. And uh, look, it paid out. I'm not not claiming to be a guru hey. over here, but uh, now the, it, did, it did work out. The gambling hotline. They sent me your uh, your voice recording, and they were like, "God damn, he's got a good parlay here." It's like, <laughs> tell your friend to tell your friend to bet that tonight. Call us tomorrow. But I would definitely oh. put money on the Sixers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I might I might sprinkle a little money on a uh, Mitic comeback player of the year. All right, Mark, you got to cash out now and just just enjoy yourself, man. You are you going to New Orleans soon? That's New Orleans money. Yeah, yeah, no, hundred percent. Um, okay, anything else? Media corner. Uh, yeah. Do you want to start media corner? Do you have anything? I I don't, man. Um, I haven't haven't watched anything super interesting. Uh, it's all you. All right, then I'm going to go with um a starter song. From the band Can, C-A-N. Um, it would be Vitamin C off of their 1972 album. And their lead singer passed away this week. And it's, <laughs> I keep saying and. Um, they're one of those bands that like, if you're into music and you're 19 years old and you want to like find out more stuff, you read about Can, like they pop up in all these reviews and you hear this hyperbolic stuff of like, this is like the Miles Davis, you know, bitches brew band mixed with the Velvet Underground. And they're from German. They pretty much invented the term kraut rock. And I just have to say that kind of some of the coolest music ever made is from uh, Can and RIP to their singer, uh, Demo Suzuki. And yeah, if you're looking for anything, start with uh, Vitamin C off their 1972 album, and then check out everything they did from 1970 to 1974. It's immaculate. All right, Tim, I'm going to leave with this. How many games are the Hornets going to win after the All-Star break? After the All-Star break, so we have we have one game remaining before the All-Star break. Am I correct? So we have 28 left after, I believe. So we have 28. I will say that we are... Nine and nineteen. Check your math there. Yeah, that's right. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go ten and eighteen, Tim. I'm feeling optimistic. Wow, you really prices right at me right there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. I'm just one more win less of a dick than you are. <laughs> well, you know, but I do think that I mean comparatively, after we you know just got off in a, a ten game losing streak, um, I think that nine nineteen is pretty solid. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it, def it definitely is. And if you had asked me before this, these trades, I would have said four and twenty-four. <laughs> I mean, exactly. I'm not kidding. Yeah, so I mean, that's that's what. I'm No, no, say. yeah, no, yeah. And it's like, man, it was just like a you just grind to get through. But now it's it's really just an enjoyable time, man. I'm so happy. It feels like kind of the start of a new season. And I know 13 games from now, it's gonna be like, oh yeah. So Mijic has not made a shot within 10 feet. In the last five games, Grant Williams is 23% from the corner, but it's like, no, that's not what matters. The future is now. The present is now. The time is now. We got a beautiful team. Future is now, baby. All right, Tim. It's yeah. been real.
It's been real. Be safe out there, Lickamark. Peace. Happy Mardi Gras.